2: Day March 14th, and this is Season 6, Episode 28 of the 4 Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Tommy. Hey, what's up? John. Lovely to be with you, as always. And Jeff. Hello. Well, I'm going to roll right into it. Um, we we have a kind of a crummy match to talk about, but I think we we have to tackle this. Um, so we've been kind of in this up and down uh, win-loss, uh, sometimes the wins will be impressive, sometimes the losses will be pathetic. Um, I think the only way that this loss win-loss-win-loss win-loss cycle was broken one way was that um, we were having a good game after a bad game after a good game, and I, I don't think this was a particularly bad match. There was certainly some individual errors, that were, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but um, but the performance wasn't terrible, terrible um, for us. Um, I think we played a decent match against United, but it just uh, wasn't enough, and, uh, and and we're back to our losing
3: way. So who wants to tackle this first? Uh, uh, John? Yeah, I just think that we're judging ourselves on the wrong kind of matches. I mean, going away to Manchester United is always going to be difficult. It doesn't matter what kind of form they're in. They've got a huge crowd. The crowd's right behind them. And um, I thought we did a creditable job. Now, with my biased opinion, I think we deserved a draw, but we didn't get it. And, you know, it's, this is not the kind of game that we should be worrying about. And we wouldn't have been worrying about it had we not lost games that we should have won at home. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it, we're, we're running out of games. We're getting kind of desperate. Everybody's thinking, will we, will we not make uh, top four? Which I don't think we are at this point. And um, so every game we lose, it's it's like, oh, again, you know, we've lost. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's any shame in losing at uh, 3-2 to Manchester United. Um I was just surprised when I saw some of the statistics afterwards. Um, the one that jumped out at me was how ineffective Son was. He had no touches, no tackles, no—I mean, it didn't—he didn't appear as if he was in the game, and I think that makes a huge difference. Um, I don't know how anybody else feels about that, but that—that that, that seemed to me to be very odd. You know, when you look at how. Uh, fantastic he was in the last game when we scored four goals. Admittedly, it wasn't against Manchester United, but he was running, getting open, doing everything, and uh, he didn't seem to do that against Man U.
2: When he fell down like three or four times, too, when he he gained possession, it was kind of... I I don't know if he wore the wrong boots or what was going on, but... um, Well, that's what we would have said in the old days. He got the wrong studs on. Yeah, but it just didn't seem... Didn't seem right to me, Uh, Jeff. You look like you wanted to tackle it next.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna pile on Sun here because spoiler alert, he's my LVP for this match. But yeah, he fell down like at least four times. He killed a, a couple other counters, but really, this is kind. Sun has always been a streaky player, right? When he's on a good streak, he's one of the best players in the world. There's nobody else you'd want playing for your team. When he's in a bad streak, this is the son that we get. And he's been in a bad streak for a month now. He did score a goal in there. But otherwise, if you think of all the times he had one-on-ones or attacking chances where he's just blown it, he had, what, three chances to win the Middleborough game and blew them all? So... We're, we're just in the bad form Sun at the moment, and uh, you know hopefully he comes out of it sooner rather than
2: later. Tommy?
1: Yeah, Jeff. Uh, I've been shitting on Sun lately, and yeah, Sunday or Saturday was no different, and like you, he's your LVP, he's mine as well. Um, it's a little frustrating. Um, like I said many times in the past, it's not for lack of trying, it's just the uh, end product. But... Yeah, he slipped a few times, and like how John was saying, like I was yelling at the bar, I'm like, first half, he had a big slip, second half, he had another one, um, and I was like, you should have, I'm like, wear longer studs, but it's, I mean, as the British say, it's all academic now, but um, just kind of wrap up. Yeah, we didn't, I don't, I think a tie would have been relatively fair. Um, The fact that, man, you got the, or Ronaldo got the winner. I'm not too surprised, just, I don't know, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's Spursy. it's just, I've become accustomed to it, which is not a good thing to, not a good mentality to have. Um, aside from that, I, I don't know, I, just, so, the first two goals, though, like, Ronaldo's winner, fair enough, he jumped higher, um, Doherty, he... I don't know what he was doing there because he was marking him, but I don't, I guess the question is why was Doherty marking him in the first place? (laughs) Excuse me first, but the first two goals, it irked me Uh, first one where he had the long range shot. I'm like, I don't know what Dyer was doing when he, why wasn't even making an attempt to close in. I mean, like he had a slow reaction to it from what i saw. You give Ronaldo Um, that
2: much space, He's going to burn you. Oh, exactly. I'm like, I yeah, did he didn't.
3: It. He did not close. The, you you could see by the replays he was static, and um, Ronaldo had enough time for three touches before he yeah. you know, his third touch was the shot. And the but, other
1: and, issue was Davis and Romero. They were both behind Dyer as well. So I'm like, if he actually had the instinct to do so, might have been a different story. But no. But the other one. Second one, that it, this was a personal pet peeve of mine, and I'm hoping it's everybody else that's on tonight. They were waiting for the offside call. As we tell from the replay, clearly they weren't. Fair enough. But they were waiting for it, and I'm just like, my, and for those who don't know, my biggest pet peeve is you play to the whistle. You don't take any chances on that. And they were just waiting for it, and then Ronaldo comes running in, gets the poacher. So, I mean... Aside from all that, I would say the game was still even match. But I'm just – like I said before, I know this is kind of a transition year. It's just – and where we are in the table, it's about right. But how we've gotten there, it's a little bit frustrating. Anthony? Well,
2: well and I just wanted to j- jump in real fast, and we'll go to Jeff. I think um Regulon uh, – messed up the, uh, offside trap there. Like, uh, like I think they, they were, it, he should, Ronaldo should have been offside, but, um, <laughs> but regulon kind of screwed up, uh, uh, the, his positioning and didn't, um, didn't move forward at the, the right, ra- at the right time with everybody else or, or it might've worked, but, uh, uh, Jeff,
0: well, I was just gonna say, yeah. And then the Ronaldo's winner, you know, off a set piece again. Statistically, we're one of the worst, um, you know, def- teams defending spe- uh, set pieces in the league. It's been biting us all year, and it continues to. And you know, Doherty was down low and let Ronaldo come up over him, pretty much for that one. But I mean, some Ronaldo's a world-class player. Sometimes he's going to rise from the crypt when we all think he's dead and put on a performance like this. There's no shame about that. And I thought, for the most part, we played pretty well, but. Yeah, this is a win-loss, win-loss, win-loss team that's inconsistent. Inconsistent teams don't get top four. I'm not going to get tricked into the believe in the top four thing again. This is the last time. But even to get fifth, yeah, we have to string a couple wins together um, unless everybody's looking forward to going to Europa Conference League again next year.
2: Oh, geez. I, I certainly, I would rather drop out of that and fall further down the table, but... Um, but yeah, I think Europa's about the most realistic that we can really go for at this point. I mean, try for champions league. I'm not saying to give up, but, um, but I, I think it's unlikely. I mean, uh, and what is, what hurts more about this to me is that we're, this is very likely going to be the first season in, in what, five, five years that six years that Arsenal's finished above us. um, it's been a while, and um, and we've gotten used to it. And it used to always happen, but the, um, for that to get reversed, it's going to be pain, a painful experience. Um, way more painful than a painful rebuild that that uh, uh, was talking about back in the day, Tommy. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. I'm like fair enough
1: to Arsenal. They have the games in hand, and as of right now, we're six points behind, and they have a game or they have one, played less one less game than us. So, like, I don't know, this whole season feels like they've been quietly, I mean, aside from their terrible start where they were in last place, I mean, when they finally picked up some steam, they've been quietly around there. And with the games in hand, they're sitting pretty right now. So, I mean, let's face it, they perform better than us. And everybody that hates Arsenal, like everybody here, You know, can say, like, oh, blah, 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 and all this other stuff. But, I mean, Arteta's doing a good job. He's made some good signings. Odegaard's doing well, blah, blah, So, I mean, how you're saying, Anthony, same thing. I'm like, if we can get Europa League, I mean, I'll take it. But if we get Conference League, I'm like, I'd rather not get it at all just because it's just – I'm not saying we're above it, but we kind of are. And I would rather – I'll just splash the cash, get a bunch of get some new signings in, and then we only have to worry about the league, and then the two domestic cups. nobody I mean it's not. I mean, is anybody going to gloat saying we're conference league winners? Yeah, I don't think so,
3: John. Well, I I think the one difference between Arsenal and us this year is that they're being consistent. We are not if we played as well consistently as we are able we would be up there challenging but as we've seen from the last few results we it's very inconsistent and arsenal are being very consistent that's why they're ahead of us and i think they will end up ahead of us in the league because they're playing better than we are right now and they and they're playing consistently um you know, we won't get any choice if we get in the Europa conference. It's not like we say, well, no. Yeah, but no, thanks. If we're in that position, then we'll get in the Europa conference. Now, how we treat it will be up for, you know, up for debate. But if we're in it and we win it, then, um, I think there will be some benefit to that. I mean, you've got to start getting in that winning mentality, no matter where you are. um, so based on the fact that we have no choice, I think we just got to sit and wait. I, I would like if we got into Europa League that we've had some great seasons in the Europa League, had some fabulous games. I've been at a number of them and enjoyed them very much. And uh, I like the, the the challenge of that. But if we don't make it when we're in a conference or if we get even less consistent, we won't be in anything. But, uh, you know, we won't have the choice, Tommy. It's either we're either going to get there or we're not. That's the way it is.
2: Well, in the fan in me, I I want to watch the matches as much as I don't want to be in that competition. I I I want to have the extra matches to watch, whether it's a uh, like an enjoyable group, like whether we're playing a rotated squad, whatever the situation. I want to ha- have an excuse to watch Spurs, but uh, the the biggest part for me is even Europa League. Even if we do qualify for Europa League, uh, we're not going to be able to get the The quality of players that Conte is looking for, Um, we're going to have to go to that lower tier and we might still be able to piece something together um, out of players like obviously we did very well with uh, with what we we picked from Juventus uh, uh, this uh, this winter window. Um, and we can do more moves like that, and maybe that'll be enough to get us across the line. But it's we're not going to be able to get those marquee signings that that Conte likes to to have. Those people that are going to play his way that are superstar talents. Um, if we're sitting in your even Europa League, um, and now we're talking if we're talking Conference League, we're we're really not going to be able to get what Conte needs. I think that's the most frustrating part about, and it's not so much this United match itself it's like john said at the beginning it's it's what we didn't do uh, um at our home matches that we should be winning um a month ago that that has put us in the position where we we, we can't afford to, to to lose that old traveler. uh well um i think maybe we should go to the question that we have um so uh Shubes asks us a question. I'm going to have you read it, Tommy, um, so uh, the rest of us can tackle that.
1: Sure. Okay, so uh, for those who didn't see the question, Shubes was actually at Old Trafford this past weekend and looked from where he sat. Uh, Deku was driving the game for us a lot. I do not disagree. Um, Would like to hear someone else apart from myself. For their thoughts. Who wants to go first?
0: So, so like, yeah, Tommy. Is Decky the greatest Swedish player ever? Or no, I'm joking. Oh, I mean, um, it's, it's still no, spot But I'm I can, just, I'm joking. I'm joking. I can
1: say with confidence, though, that he is the best Swedish player Spurs ever had. Only because he's the second one, and Eric Edmund only played for <laughs> us one season, and he had one great goal, and he was okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, comparison wise, I don't. I don't really have a good comparison for him. A lot of people say Erickson, but he's not the passer that Erickson is. But he's a much better defender. The one one thing I really like about him is he gets back and defends really well, and gets yeah gets the uh, uh, gets the ball back and gets it ahead to people. Um, I don't yeah I don't have a direct comparison, but I agree with what Shub said. That, that he is the one driving the team at this point he's like the the number ten out on the raid right. yeah
3: i think I think that um he's doing an- an, uh, an enormous amount and if you just compare him to the players that have tried to do what he's doing right now before um you know they put Burbwine in there they've put and'mbelay in there they put uh you know, it it there's been a number of really good players that have been put in that position that have not performed like he has. And it's very unusual that you come into the Premier League, having played in a foreign league, and step up the way he has. I think he's doing a superb job. And um, if he's driving the team right now, then let him. Hey, that's... Uh, um, that's a major improvement in that area of the field and in that position than we've had in a long time. And we tried a few, and more. I'm thinking about more as well. Um, you know, he had the opportunity to do what uh, what what's being done, and he didn't do that either. So, um, good on him.
2: Yeah, yeah it, I was.
1: Oh, go ahead. I was, so. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll be very quick. Yeah, it's, John, what you were saying about uh, Lucas Moore, I mean, everybody loves him. Everybody knows the efforts there. But, and like I said this beginning, I'm like, if given the chance, Deion will take his starting spot. He has a wider range of talent, and we know what we're getting out of Lucas. So, I mean, unfortunately, that's the way it is. But um, hopefully Lucas does stay, because we can definitely use him for the bench or for, like, the uh, secondary games. But, oh, well. But, Anthony, what do you
2: have? Well, I was going to say is... uh, to the the points that everybody's making on Decky, like I was really upset when he he came off for Lucas because I was just like he's the only person really driving this uh, uh, this attack. There's, he's the only person that's providing any type of creativity in the final third, um, and and once we took him off, like it, it it seemed to fizzle. Like yeah, we got the effort that Lucas can can bring, but. Um, it seemed to me that like maybe like a, a on for son who w- wasn't playing well was the better first substitution um, th- and let decky do his thing and see if somebody else can uh, can can be lucky in the final third with the or maybe the, just get the ball to kane but i Bergwijn would have been my sub but and, uh, just cuz i think he's a better substitute uh, if you're taking off uh uh son uh, than Lucas, because uh, the sides of the field that, like, Lucas uh, really is playing the same side of the field as Decky. Uh, Tommy?
1: Yeah, that was, I was very peeved, let's just say, um, when Deion left, um because I was like, how you're saying, he was, I thought he was the most creative player that we had on the field, and yeah, like I said, I love Lucas Mora, but I'm like... He could have I mean like the idea I guess would have been to run through everybody and draw some fouls and use his speed which is good in theory but I don't know I I think Conte got this one wrong I I know he doesn't usually go to a back four but I would have taken Ben Davis out um and then went with a back four and then did a 4231 just um so we can ha- I mean I know we got to roll I mean we have to roll the dice a little bit I don't know what the end game of Conte is if you if he's like, you know, let's go for fifth or sixth, we'll be fine. Or if Levy's like, let's push for fourth. Um I mean, we we looked okay attacking wise. I mean Sun wasn't great, but I'm like, you know, Bergvine eventually came on. if Berg once Bergvine eventually came on and if we had Sun, him and um Dayon I think we could have created a little bit more chances because Harry's been looking good as of late. And, and in terms of midfield, we had, what was it at the time, Ben and Hoyberg they looked okay for the most part. So I, I mean, I know Dyer had a yellow at the time, but like I said, we got to shoot our shot eventually. If we want to push for fourth, even if, or my, even though my confidence level getting there is not high whatsoever,
3: John. Yeah. I don't think we can talk about what, Conte's end game is, you know, does he want fourth, does he want the Europa Cup he just wants to win every game and see where it falls uh, I, I can't imagine him looking at a looking at the lead table, thinking, "Well, what's going to be our best position in for next year? So let's throw these two games so that we got we don't have a chance of being fifth. We'll be seventh, and that'll be okay." I, I mean, I can't imagine any manager doing that, particularly Conte. But um, but yeah, as for the substitution. Had it worked, everybody Conte would have been a genius. Uh, It didn't uh, work so well. I think Son did need replacing. Um, You know, we've all talked pretty consistently that he was our LVP um, against Man United for lots of different reasons. But uh, Deke had also played every minute of the games previously, so maybe he had indicated that he was a little tired. I, I mean, I don't know. I was surprised. And I can't imagine that it was a substitution that was a choice rather than one that was... Um, I can't imagine that it was done tactically because he was boss in the midfield. Um, so maybe it was a choice for another reason. But uh, but we'll never know that. And um, I don't think criticising the manager for substitutes that didn't work out ultimately is all that positive. Um, unless you're going to tell him he's a genius if he makes a substitution and that really works out, which he doesn't. So, um, yeah, that that there's always well, we stuff that, that we credit. don't know.
2: We gave him that credit for Lester to be fair. <laughs> like, like the burgvine substitute was uh, was genius, uh, and, and we all uh, claimed it when he uh, uh, when he made that substitution. So. I think we're we're we can be fair and 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 criticize the the, uh the substitution sometimes but I understand your point like it's not it's not going to work out all the time and and um but and we can't second guess them all all the time either um let's see uh any final thoughts on Decky or any other before we go to MVP LVP okay let's go to MVP on this one um let's uh start with uh Jeff first
0: um uh, yeah, okay with Kulisevsky for uh m v p um like we said, he was bossing things, he was driving the team um you know, and mo- most of the good things that happened on the attack came from him.
2: yeah, no, he certainly did. uh let's go to John next.
3: Well, Jeff, I'm going to agree with you again. My goodness, that's twice in the same broadcast. Amazing. But, yes, you're right. He was the he was the driving force, and he did very, very well, and I think he deserves MVP. Tommy?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what you have, Anthony, but we're making it three for Dion. Um She was probably laughing now, thinking, oh, because he's Swedish, and I'm a huge fan of him. He's probably MVP or I'll put, choose him as MVP by default, but as the reason is John and Jeff have outlined previously, it's kind of hard not to choose him. Anthony, what do you got?
2: Yeah, I, 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 I was trying to, 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 to even think of my honorable mention. Cause like I, I, for me, it's Decky as well. I mean, I don't think Kane performed well. We didn't really talk about Spurs goals. I mean, obviously one was a, uh, own goal that was kind of created by uh um, Kane running into a dangerous position that uh that made uh Maguire I uh, it was Maguire that did the own goal right it was yeah yes yeah, so that made him make the mistake um K- Kane made his uh um penalty kick um but the, the, as far as the goals go we don't have much to work with there for honorable mentions but it's definitely Decky. Um, I think, uh, you know, Kane, Kane's keeping his performance up. Um, I think ramiro has been, uh, looked pretty good this match. Um, but I am still concerned with his, uh, propensity to pick up cards and everything like that. So I am a little concerned that we're going to be missing him at times, but, um, um, but I, I, I think he deserves an album mention. Um, but, uh, it's hard to say it's not decky. um, <laughs> So let's go to LVP next, and I I think we're all going to be in agreement on this one as well, Um, um, because I think we've all said it as as such. But, uh, Jeff, uh, who do you have? Yeah,
0: Yeah, I I have Son, but I'll throw in a dishonorable mention um, for Bettencourt. I've really liked Bettencourt since he – has been in the squad. And when he plays, you know, he's makes such a big difference in the game, having him in the midfield as opposed to winks. Um, So he just picked a really bad time to, uh, to have a bad game, but this was, this was a clunker from him.
2: Yeah. He made some mistakes. I mean, there there were still some good plays from him too, but yeah, like, um, like, I mean, he kind of like, uh, led to at least like, a couple of his errors led to the dangerous situations that led to goals, even though they weren't necessarily all his mistakes. So, so good shout there. And maybe, maybe we do have to pick our second uh, worst player to, to, to son, as we all
3: agree on son as well. So let's go to uh, John next. Well, I, yeah, I was only thinking about son. uh, You, you brought the second worst player up a minute ago and, or a second ago and I haven't had time to think about that yet. Um, I didn't, think regulon had a particularly good game um but you know he was i don't think he's when fit uh, and if Sessignon is fit i think Sessignon's a better player than he is and i'm looking forward to him you know not being injured and being out there but uh yeah i guess if i've got to give it to anyone it would be uh, it would be him yeah so son and then regulon I,
2: I i can understand that one Tommy?
1: Yeah, I can agree with Regulon as well, but I'm gonna give my dishonorable mention um, to Eric Dyer. I didn't think he played great. He, how I outlined before, where he gave Ronaldo too much space. Um, I, I don't know what was going on with that, but we'll never figure it out, of course. But and but like other than that, he picked up a, ye- a yellow, which wasn't that, which wasn't good because he's he's supposed to be the one that's supposed to anchor the back line. And I don't know. I just didn't think he played that great. Um, but I think another one, Doherty could have been another desirable mention as well. Um, there was some okay stuff, but like, you know, with the Ronaldo header off the set piece as well. And I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I think it's a little unfair how we kind of start off. Like we didn't play that bad. I don't think, but out of, you know doherty Dyer and son those were not those were the uh not so bright spots on the team
2: yeah i I can't disagree with anybody um I do think Doherty was all right to be honest like i um and he, even the uh the the third goal like yeah maybe he shouldn't have been the guy marking uh, Ronaldo, but you know uh a lot of that goal was was a lot of luck too. I mean, like Ronaldo was over the top of uh, Doherty's back and the, you can't control what direction your head's facing at that point, but the head just happened to go directly into the net. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of skill that led up to getting into that position, but um, there was a lot of luck and it's tough to blame Doherty for that. Um, I do think Reguilon f- screwed up the uh, uh screwed up his positioning on the uh uh the offside that wasn't uh for the, that Ronaldo goal so the J- I d- agree with John's point there um but I think Tommy you're right I think it's Eric Dyer is the second worst to Sun, like I mean son clearly the worst falling down everywhere um just not looking good not creating much of anything um uh, screwing up every counterattack that we <laughs> had it seemed like um but uh dyer's got a the card uh, put us in a difficult position where it was difficult for us to defend and probably he probably doherty was marking uh ronaldo because they didn't want uh dyer picking up a card or something another card or was he off by that point um uh, i can't even remember but uh but regardless, I understand Tommy's point about Dyer as well. So, lots of poor performances there, a few good ones, but um, it's it. I don't think we played that terrible. So it's tough to um, to crit- criticize too much. But um, there's still a lot of stuff for Conte to work on there, and and short rest before we for our next match, which we'll be talking about in a bit. Any final thoughts on this uh, game before we go to half? Okay, well, that about wraps up the first half. The second half, we are going to uh, preview both the the Brighton uh, away match on Wednesday and the West Ham at home match on Sunday. Um, But first, we have two halftime segments, and we are going to go to uh, Tommy's Week in Spurs History first.
1: All right, thank you, Anthony. Um, As Anthony noted, my name is Tommy, and this is your Week in Spurs History. March 14th, uh, 2013, Spurs lost to Inter Milan, 4-1 in the second leg of the round of 16 in the Europa League. Um, Emmanuel Adebayor came in to score the day, or save the day. He scored an extra time goal in the 96th minute to advance to the quarterfinals, um, to even up by 4-4 and advance via away goals. March 13th of 1982 was an end of an interesting record for Spurs. Um, They lost to Liverpool 3-1 in the League Cup final. This loss marked the end of running streaks of being unbeaten in the Domestic Cup final and being unbeaten at Wembley Stadium. Um, Lone goal for Spurs was scored by Steve Archibald. March 16th of 1970, Jimmy Greaves joined West Ham United in a part exchange for future Spurs legend Martin Peters and 200,000 pounds. Lastly, On March 17th of 2012, Spurs played Bolton Wanderers in the FA Cup quarterfinals. Um, This match was notable as the match was abandoned um, due to Fabrice Mwamba suffering cardiac arrest, and he collapsed on the pitch in the first half. Um, Good thing to note, or good thing though, is he did later recover and retire from playing. And now, um, from what I read, he actually is pursuing a career in journalism. So good for him. Um, I'm Tommy, and this is your week in Spurs history. And now, uh, John, you want to take it away with your
3: loan update. Thank you, Tommy. Yes, this is uh, John's loan update for March 2022. Um, we currently have 11 players on loan, which has not changed since February. So I'll just go through the um, each player. But uh, I think what you're going to see is um, – Quite a lot of goals being scored by our low knees in the last uh, three or four weeks. And so watch out for those. Uh, someone who obviously hasn't been scoring goals is Alfie Whiteman, the goalkeeper. Um, he has been lent to Degre four again, um, but their season doesn't start until April the 9th. So we won't have many updates for him until then. Um, and Dembele, yes, my goodness, he's getting great reviews. Um, he scored a goal uh, versus Lorient in the 4-1 win. He had a uh, one goal in the 4-2 loss versus Wren. Uh, he seems to be doing very well, and um, I don't know whether that's good news or bad news, because if he does well and then comes back to us and doesn't do well, then who knows, but... Uh, if he doesn't do well and does – with Dembélé, I really don't know. So um, so we'll leave that one for now. Um, Brian Gill, Yill, Jill, whatever you want to call it, is also getting rave reviews. Um, he played in the Copa del Rey semi-final um, in the first leg versus Athletic, uh, which they won 1-0. So they're in a position that Yil uh, could be playing in the Copa del Rey final. Um, He was a sub in their game against Granada uh, when they, which they won three one, and he started but was subbed in their nil nil draw with Getafe. But uh, he appears to be doing very very well, and I'm I wish him well, and I hope that when he comes back he'll be showing the same kind of form. Um, Giovanni Lo Celso. Well, there we are. He's playing for Vill- Villarreal. He's playing regularly. He hasn't scored. Um, he played in the 0-0 draw with Real Madrid, uh, where he was voted the most valuable player. Evidently, he had another great game. So there we are. We've got those three players out there on loan that we didn't really know what to do with. All really doing well. Um, so. Our Loney and Metz, who uh, you may recall, was in the Africa Cup of Nations winning team, Senegal. Um, Metz is currently in the relegation zone. They're one point above Marseille on the bottom. They lost 1-0 to Saint-Étienne. Um, Saar came on in the 64th minute for that game. He came on for Traore. And he started their last game, one, which was a one 0 uh, nil draw with Lens long um he seems to be getting more time he's obviously a young kid i think he's only 20 years old um but he's getting he's he's getting playing times in uh liga and uh and i'm looking forward to him coming into the team next year and coming back to or coming to us and seeing how he can uh seeing what he can do uh The guy doing the best of everybody on loan is Cameron Carter, vickers my goodness, can he be doing any better with Celtic? They're top of the Scottish Premiership. He's already won a League Cup medal. He scored in a 2-0 win over St Mirren, and uh, they just won... Today, the quarterfinal of the Scottish Cup. So they're in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup. They've already won the League Cup and they're top of the league. Cameron Vickers could be getting the treble this year. So <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Uh, Jack Clark has gone to Sunderland. Started off where he wasn't getting much time, but he, uh, he came on in the 5th of March as a 17th minute sub that was a 0-0 draw with Charlton. He got his first goal. So here we go. Another guy getting gold um, in the 3-1 win over Fleetwood. I understand. I, I saw uh, the highlight of that, and it was an absolute screamer from outside the box. Fabulous goal. Um, the next week, he got an assist in a 2-0 win over Crewe, Alexandra. Sunderland are in the playoff positions for League One and they're playing well. So I think if if he's getting good time with them, then that's going to be great experience for him. Uh, Then we move to Troy Parrott. You may recall that last time I said that he was getting rave reviews, but as a goal scorer, those weren't enough. He needed to score goals. Well, obviously he was listening to me. Because he scored two goals in the next game, which was a 3-1 win over Cheltenham on the 8th of March. So he's got his shooting boots on. Um, He also got an assist for them. MK Dons are in third place in League One. So they are battling with Sunderland for a promotion. But I've always thought that if he started scoring goals, he would continue. And uh, it's nice to see that he got a couple of goals there and um, moving forward. Uh, Niall John is in a he seems to be in a bit of a difficult position. He's on loan at Charlton. He has not featured on the pitch in any game, and he's he was not on the bench last Saturday. So this has got to be disturbing for Tottenham because if a player's going to go out on loan, we want to see what he can do. And if he's not playing in games, then he can't show us what he's what he's capable of. So I'm not sure whether that'll stay that way, but if he continues to not get time, I can't see him continuing to be uh, uh, a player for charlton there. And then we've got Keon intete playing for Cheltenham. Um, he featured in a four 0 win at Doncaster. Um, he he was then benched against the MK Don so he did not play against Troy Parrott and he hasn't appeared um on the 12th or uh, he didn't appear last weekend or the weekend before that so I've got a question here is he injured I've done a lot of checking on the internet I can't find anything that he is currently injured but I can't imagine why he wouldn't be playing because he uh he was banging the goals in for Cheltenham and. Um, you know, helping them a lot. So we'll see, uh, hopefully, he'll, if he is injured, he'll come back soon and um, we'll be able to see him banging in more games. And then, lastly, our um, 19-year-old goalkeeper, Kaspar Kurilovic, who is on loan at Potter's Bar. He has been an unused substitute in the last three games with them. I think I mentioned before, they have with him, they have a squad of 12. So he's obviously on the bench in case the, their goalkeeper gets injured. So hopefully he's enjoying himself. He's still training with Tottenham. So, um, I think he just goes out on Saturday, give him something to do and sit on the bench at Potter's bar, which isn't very far away anyway. So that's the 11 players that are out on loan. That's my loan update for March, 2022. And, um, thanks for listening.
2: Oh, thanks as always, John. And very interesting. It's nice to see that we do have players getting goals and, and even if most of these guys are never going to see time for our first team it, it's always a benefit for them to be doing well on loan cuz if we sell them along someday uh we're we're going to get a, more of a profit for selling them and that's and that's how we can build uh, our first team using a lot of those resources so it's good to see the like the especially the uh and Dombelez and Los Salsos of the world doing well because we know that they're likely not coming back. Uh, so if they're doing well, they, um, uh, we have much more of a case to, to, to sell them at the, in the, uh, permanently in the summer. So, um, so thank you as always for that very informative. Um, before we roll into these two match previews, I think we do kind of have to tackle this, uh, this topic that isn't really Spurs related, but I, I, I think it, it could impact league position and it, it's certainly um, important to current events. And, and, uh, uh, Sam who was on the podcast last week did bring up, uh, our, our, our support for Ukraine, but obviously, um, as, as this week's kind of, uh, carried on like, uh, we we've seen the impact to, to Chelsea of having an owner who is a Russian oligarch. Um, so I, I do think we kind of have to tackle this a little bit. So, uh, what it means for Chelsea, what, what our uh, opinions are, what, what it means for potentially our league position, or maybe sometimes we were just to see another, uh, see Chelsea suffer. We're feeling a, a little bit good about it regardless. Um, It's not a good thing to think about in general. Uh, But um, who wants to tackle this? Jeff, did you? uh... Um, Well, I mean, it's always
0: good to see Chelsea suffer, definitely. Um, But this was a long time coming, right? Uh, The stuff about Abramovich has been out there for a while. Um, Yeah, The new labor leader finally started talking about it in parliament. And so when everything happened with the Ukraine, um, things moved real fast after that. Um, I heard some people saying that they don't think Chelsea will get a points deduction, but I disagree because I think the UK government is embarrassed enough about the whole thing and wants to make a point to make sure it doesn't happen again, that I think they're going to hold the Premier League's feet to the fire um, and try to make sure that that does happen so that um, they're tougher on their ownership rules going forward. Um, And it'll be interesting to see... If uh, you know Chelsea gets a special license for which to sell, he's not going to get what he wanted, um, which is good. But uh, maybe the most disturbing thing, just from a local perspective, is that the Ricketts family, which owns the Chicago Cubs, is apparently one of the bidders, or at least planning to make a bid for Chelsea, which would be horrifying um, as a Cubs fan that would really, I know for me and other Cubs fans I've talked to who are Spurs fans, that would really divide loyalship. You don't want your money that you spend on the Cubs going anywhere near um, Chelsea, so hopefully well, that I, doesn't
2: happen. I, I think the Ricketts may have backed out, but um, but who knows now that, like because now the rumor is that, that they're going to allow them to sell and that money won't go to... Um, Uh, the russian oligarchy it will go to uh um you know it will go to like the 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 sell-on will only go to like charity or to benefit uh ukrainian charity related charities and things like that so
0: yeah abramovich said that he said you know the proceeds would go to benefit the ukraine but i mean he said a lot of things over the years too. So I'm not sure how much you could take him at his word. Oh, oh
2: no, I'm talking about that. It's what the the league is talking about. Oh, okay. Oh, like they're, they're taking control of the sale is my understanding. Um, but yeah, he was saying that before when he was trying to sell before, uh, it all fell apart, which I don't think there was ever going to be a deal that went through. in in those circumstances, um, yeah, I'd like to see the Chelsea, Chelsea suffer, but not on the backs of people getting hurt in the Ukraine, which is uh, really the bigger story here. And um, um, I do think that we 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 have other owners that do terrible things uh, in their other businesses. Um, and granted, they might not be direct as directly connected to their governments, but um, but you know we're seeing this with like uh, these. Saudi giants coming into the league. And, um, it's, it's certainly a problem that I think the lead league has to tackle. And I'm glad uh, it shouldn't have taken this, um, something this bad, like an invasion of a sovereign nation to, to, to say that this is not okay, that we're allowing these types of owners into our, uh, that, that have these types of business practices that are harmful to people. um, in our league and I obviously you have to weigh, you know, people who are wealthy are probably hurting people somewhere along the line and you can't rule out every wealthy owner that could potentially own a, a team. Um, but when you have something that's so blatant, I'm glad that the, the, uh, the, league is stepping up. And I hope you're right about the point deduction. Cause I, I think it would be a lesson to uh, teams like, you shouldn't be the owners that you go for. Find find somebody, uh, you know, find somebody who uh,
3: fits at least with the values of the league. Um, yeah, I mean, with his the source of his wealth has always been in. Uh, in a shadow there somewhere. Nobody's really sure where he got all his wealth from. And I think maybe that we have just been looking for an excuse to do something like this. And the invasion of Ukraine is certainly a big enough excuse, um, deplorable as it is. And horrible watching it on the news um, it's just disgusting but on the other hand we will be we will know how many season ticket holders Chelsea now has because they've never really released that but uh next home game that'll be their total crowd as they can't sell any general admission tickets so uh, we'll see how many how many season ticket holders they have I, i've heard rumors that it's it's really quite low so we'll find that out
1: so in theory they could have like
3: a few thousand at the game. Yeah. I, I've heard numbers as low as eight to 10,000 season ticket. Hours. Oh, geez. So well, I'll we'll say f- my
1: two, I'll say my two cents since this, uh, i yeah, well, we'll find out. But, uh, no. So as Jeff said, it's like, this is what happens when you dance with the devil or stare or, are staring at the sun too, too much, you know, it's, and I mean, for those who don't know, I'm a newer Spurs fan, of course. And, I'm not like John, where Arsenal would be his hated team. Chelsea was my is the hated team that I hate the most because when I first started supporting Spurs in 2002, that's when Abramovich started buying them, and you know they're and it's like oh great they're going to be like the Yankees and blah, blah blah and you know so I'm like screw them, but you know it's finally catching up to them, albeit you know 20 years too late. Uh, I don't know why the F.A. didn't even nip this in the bud in the beginning. And unfortunately, this kind of sets a precedent, precedent, you know, where you have, you know, owners from Saudi Arabia owning Newcastle or, you know, you got Man City being owned by um, UAE or whatnot. So it's just not, this ain't a good look. So I I guess to finalize, everybody gives Daniel Levy a lot of grief about the way he operates the club. I can honestly say, as a Spurs fan, he di- he does run the club very clean. He doesn't. I mean, aside from the whole pandemic thing, we're trying to take funds like that. That's a blip on the radar. But I can honestly, I can say with relative, with very high confidence that we're not going to be uh, caught up in this hoodwink. You know, I, I, you know, Daniel Levy, he runs a clean operation. Same with Joe Lewis. It's not like they've ever done anything uh, as shifty as. Roman brandage. So hopefully they suffer long and hard. Um and may their uh uncertainty be for a long while.
2: Well, there is rumors today that came out of like a, a Saudi buyer that's not connected to the Saudi government at all, but but uh Saudi businessman, so he is connected to the government in some way. It's um yeah, if they go from one owner that's uh sheisty to the next, it's uh, it's kind of uh, frustrating. I well, hope.
1: So. I, sorry, Jeff. Go. I'll go back to you. oh, we'll get to you. But you actually bring up an interesting point because there's already precedent with that, with Manchester City. Um, and for those who don't know, and the only reason I know is because one of my good friends, he's Thai. But back in the mid or the late uh, knots, so to speak. Um Manchester City was actually purchased by uh Toxin uh Sinuratra, I think that's how you say his name. And he was not a he's not a good person. Uh you can look him up. But I from what I read, he's like in asylum in like Bosnia or Serbia or whatever, and he's stuck there. Like and he was forced essentially forced to sell the team, and then as we now know, he sold to the current owners of Man City. So if uh they sold some to somebody a party that is shitty or just as shitty, I wouldn't be too surprised because let's let's be realistic. It's gonna go to the highest bidder.
2: Yeah, unless the league really puts some controls on it and they care about look with this particular sale and since they've taken control of it, that might be the only thing that could change it. But but Jeff, you were about to speak up before oh, uh...
0: I was just gonna say in addition to the fact that, you know. Obviously now it's a buyer's market um, about meeting the valuation price. Supposedly the other reason um, Chelsea wasn't getting their price is because you know owners are balking at what the uh, the price to upgrade Stamford Bridge would be, um, which is something where Spurs are way ahead. Yeah, there's been a lot of smoke around you know a possible Enix sale at some point, or at least additional investors coming in, and that is some place where. Even though on the pitch, you know Chelsea has done much better. Um, off the pitch, the fact that we have a state-of-the-art uh, stadium now is going to be a, is a lot more attractive in, to investors than you know, trying to go in and and fix up Stamford Bridge before it falls into the ocean.
2: Yeah, that could be a benefit that we we've been talking about for years, and maybe we'll see it on a future sale, Tommy.
1: Actually, that was an interesting point that you brought up because lit up something in my head, but no, the whole stadium issue, like that's the big thing. Cause I'm like, let's be realistic. Chelsea can probably fill up a bigger stadium than ours. They can, they filled up something like 65 or had a stadium that was 65,000. They could easily fill with the way things are going for them. And with the new, uh, new fandom with the glory hunting. But, um, the biggest, and for those who don't know, the biggest issue with Chelsea and the ownership and the stadium is, Technically they own the stadium, but they but if they tear down the state like people own the rights to Stanford Bridge. So if they sell the stadium, I mean if they tear down the stadium, it means that the name Chelsea Football Club doesn't exist anymore. So there's a lot of legal entanglement that were they would have to sidestep or pay these people off um to keep the name. And then the bigger issue is Chelsea, like their they're financially stable now, but it took a lot of Robin Abramovich's money to get to where they are right now. And he had to spend, I mean, aside from buying the club, he had to, or they spent like a billion dollars worth of his money. So at the time, Chelsea in theory was a billion dollars or pounds in debt, but he pretty much let them absorb the debt, which became the value of the club. So because, or, from what I remember. So because of that, the club's overinflated because of the billion dollar debt, which added on to the valuation, so to speak. So whomever the highest bidder is, and say the valuation of the club is $3 billion, it's really only worth two because of that. So whoever, I mean, all I'm saying is whoever buys the club, whether it be somebody from Saudi Arabia, whatever, Middle East or, you know the rickets or whatever it it's an uphill battle um and i do not wish them luck they,
2: they they better love that club if they if they're buying it is is the thing i think that's what it comes down to they better have, have love for it but i think we've probably spent enough time on on chelsea so fuck them um i hope they get completely screwed over by this um i think they deserve it and uh, let's move on for, from there, and let's talk about this Brighton match. And I will go to John first once we once I set this up. But um, so we take on Brighton away uh, just in two short days from when we're recording on Wednesday, March sixteenth. Um, they're currently in thirteenth place in the league with thirty three points, at seven wins, twelve draws, and nine losses. They are on a really bad losing streak right now. They um, uh, they lost this Saturday two uh, nil to Liverpool. They lost Newcastle prior to that, lost to Villa, lost to Burnley, and lost to Man U. So uh, they are not playing at their best right now. Um, upcoming, they um, uh, they did have their match postponed against Man City on the, the 19th. Um, so they don't have to worry about a weekend fixture. So they can focus a little bit more on us here, which is bad for us. Uh, so their next match is going to be April 2nd. Uh, after us so they have a lot of time to rest after they play us so they can kind of put it all on the table um, uh, we all know some of the players that they have and obviously we uh, we, we did beat them in the FA Cup earlier this year but um, wh- where are you guys at on this Brighton game given the, uh, their situation and our situation where we're going to have to take on West Ham uh, on the weekend and they have the weekend off
3: well, I think that uh, it's going to depend which Spurs team turns up, and we have no idea till the till the whistle blows. Um, if uh, if we play as well as we can play, we'll destroy them. If we play badly, which we have done in the, in a few games, then it's going to be a difficult game. But I've got to believe that they don't have enough to uh, to stop us. No, but even if we don't play all that well, we should be able to bang a couple of goals in against them. I mean, they've only scored one goal in the last six games, um, and uh, they ha- when they haven't scored, it's not been away. As uh, you know, last three home games they haven't uh, they haven't scored a goal, so uh, they're on a real dip. Uh, so it could go one of two ways: uh, either this will be the beginning of their revitalization, in which case we'll get beaten, or it'll be a continuation, in which case we'll win. So uh, there's a there's a lot of stuff up in the air with this game. So I'm going to pass it over to Jeff to see if he can make any sense of it.
0: No sense of it. I was just going to say, one of our two streaks is going to end, right? Either the streak where we always lose midweek games because Kante didn't have a week to work with the squad, Or the win-loss, win-loss, win-loss pattern. Um, So, I mean, I would think that we're going to win this game. Um, You know, Brighton is certainly a disaster area lately. Um, And it would be good if we could string a couple wins together now. And it would be kind of just like Spurs to do it, Um, you know, right after losing to United and probably burning our top four hopes.
2: Yeah, they it's they're 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 so bad right now. But like, if there's a team that's going to uh, like after a, a terrible losing streak and they have to turn it on and they know that they can put leave it all on the field because they're not going to have to play until April, like uh, that's the only thing that has me a little bit worried about this match. Uh, the, uh, like, n- not 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 their talent right now or the way that they're playing, but just. Their situation is kind of the worst situation for us to come up against during one of our last congested weeks. Given that we only have Premier League games to play from here out, we don't—we're not going to have that many two-two match weeks left, and this just happens to be one of them.
1: Uh, Tommy, yeah, I think the good thing about this match, though, is the way the Grand Potter plays. It's open, so it's going to be similar to Everton, who we, we beat. Leeds United who we beat and so forth. So I would not be surprised I I'm predicting a win. So I I'm expecting that the yo-yoing of going back and forth will actually continue. Um and I'm actually like how guess you're, you are saying like I'm actually surprised they're on this bad streak. They were riding high earlier in the season. They're like as high as fourth from what I remember. I mean, we all knew that was pr- very unlikely to be sustainable, but for a team like Brighton who runs lean and mean plays attractive soccer, you know, that's nice to see, but, um, by the looks of, it, I don't think there's in danger of getting relegated yet. I mean, they could, because, um, as, uh, somebody in formal, or Murray Walker says in Formula, anything that ha- can happen in soccer will. So it's definitely feasible. Um, well, and actually, there are 11 points above the relegation zone as well, so that definitely helps. But I don't know. It's just – I forget who it was. I, I forget who mentioned it on the podcast. It might have been John, but once we get over this hump of playing um, in the weekday, aside from Arsenal, by the looks of it, we're going to be playing on weekends for the most part. So whenever and whenever we do have that extended – break of a week, we usually win. So let's just ride this out, deal with West Ham, get to the uh, international break, and move forward. I'm just... I don't know. As John said, it's what team will show up. I'm I'm expecting the entertaining team that looks good. So fingers crossed, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think we can't think be th- thinking ahead to West Ham. We have to Come out! This is the only match that matters when we play on Wednesday because we just can't afford to um, overlook another winnable match. Um, And this is winnable. The travel isn't terribly far. It's uh, it's it's an away fixture that we can take points home, um, but we just can't have to not get in our heads and, and 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 make sure that they continue to not be able to score play our best defense, not make mistakes. I think not making mistakes is going to be huge in a match like Brighton. Not that they are great at taking advantage, but uh, if a team is going to find a way to take advantage against somebody, you know it's going to be us. So um, don't make those mistakes to begin with. Um, Let's go to predictions, and uh, we'll start with uh, John first. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-0 win and kind of get both okay good that that would be uh nice to see uh a brace like Kane's certainly been turning it back on it it'll be nice to see him get uh, some some strong performances. Let's go to Jeff next
0: um I will say three nothing um kane with two and Kulesski with the other one
2: okay, I like it um and tommy
1: yeah, I was actually gonna predict uh three no as well. And I mean, I mean, I would say let's just try. I'm I'm praying to God that Kane gets a goal. So let's do. I mean, no, not Kane. Son, he gets a goal, kind of like with Everton. Let's start this streak of, or hopefully this breaks the cold spell, and then he can play well. Uh, so let's do Kane with two goals and Son with the other one.
2: Okay, I like it. I'm a little bit more pessimistic about this one. I think uh, Brighton really wants to break this losing streak at home, and uh, they want they want to try and take advantage of our um, questionable up and down form. Um, I think we are going to we're going to win this match, but it's going to be a much tougher than that. Like I think it's going to be. 1-1 throughout most of the match after two early goals, I, and we break their hearts at the end by scoring a, a late goal. I'm going to say we we get a goal from Decky, and we get a goal late from Bergvine, who has to come on and rescue us in this one because Kane and Son have not been able to score for us. Um, and yeah, they break their hearts at their home uh, when they're trying to break this losing streak. And uh, they have to sit on that for uh, until April 2nd. <laughs> um, so uh, let's move the conversation along. So we have another game to preview today. And uh, that is West Ham at home. So um, obviously we always say this is their cup final, uh, but they're actually playing pretty good uh, for the last couple of years. So it's uh uh, we can 't discount them anymore they're they're a, a a decent team that we have to take seriously um, when we when we compete against them um, and it 's not just because they 're playing up to us now like uh, we actually have to play up to them I think at this point uh, so they' currently they 're sitting in sixth place in the league with forty eight points that 's fourteen wins six draws and nine losses They did uh beat Villa at home to um, this uh, Sunday. Uh, Prior to that, they lost to Sevilla, uh, lost to Liverpool, lost to Southampton in the the FA Cup, and beat Wolves. So they are on a bit of a bad form other than the win against Villa this weekend. Uh, They do have to play uh, Sevilla Sevilla this weekend at home in the second leg of that uh, competition uh, and they are down after the loss by a goal, so they do have to uh, worry about um, coming back if they want to try and win that competition or continue in that competition. Uh, they take on Everton at home on su- the following Sunday, April 3rd. Um, Bowen and Antonio are their top goal scorers with eight, and also uh, Bowen and Antonio are eight and seven on assists, so they are their. Playmakers as well so they are the biggest threats um, And Declan Rice Is their top rated player um, We beat them the last time We faced them in the League Cup 2-1 um, And then we lost The prior two engagements and I'm not going to go Further back than that because uh, We're in a completely different circumstance Where? How are you guys feeling about This West Ham one um, let's, uh, let's start with Jeff first This time
0: um, Well what's, we've got uh two games in hand on west ham right sorry we we've got two to make up so this is critical for us to win that um if we're gonna pass them up for europa league space um and yeah i think we can we can take them they always get up for it but like you said they've got europa league distractions right now um and they haven't been in the best of form um I'm sure Jared Bowen will find a way to score against us again because of, you know, he's going to do that to us forever since we decided Jack Clark was a better player than him and find Clark instead. But, uh, other than that, I think we can beat them.
2: Well, and and you're right. They, like, they definitely have to take the, uh, Europa League serious. That might be their best chance at champions league when all said and done, uh, where things are going. So maybe they need to take that more seriously. Uh, uh
3: John um yes, if we win on if we went at Brighton, then we will be equal on points with them with a the game in hand. and as Jeff said, that this makes it crucial. Um, I, I really if If we're going to step up this year and really do something, that's the game we've got to do it in to prove that we can beat a decent team. Because West Ham, although they're not on the greatest of form lately, they have proven over that this is the best West Ham team that there's been for some time. And they're formidable. But we've got them at home. Um, Now, having said that, that hasn't been all that great for us lately. But nonetheless, if things are going to turn around, they've got to turn around in this game. So I think we're going to beat them. I think it's going to be a tight game. But uh, I do think we're going to beat them, and then that'll put us um, a game, uh, three points ahead of them, and still with a game in hand. So uh, that'll put that'll put us in a good position. But this is this is crucial, and it's not away at Manchester United. It's at home, and it's against West Ham, which I think is a different uh, it's a different thing. So, assuming that the right team turns up. Because we really need him to in this game, I think we're going to win two-one. But uh, it's going to be a difficult game. But it's it's really a crucial game before the end of the season. Yeah, no, all good shouts there, uh, Tommy.
1: Yeah, I'm not as confident about this one. I'm I'm going to predict a win regardless because, as John said, it is at home. Um, i I've always been seeing. I'm like, oh, West Ham's going to tail off. Yeah, they tailed off from fourth, and they're now, what, in sixth place. So, it's – I mean, they're still doing very well. So, I mean, my hat's off to them. David Moyes is doing a very good job with them. Um, and how Jeff was saying, because I was thinking, I'm like, why the hell did we not go for Jer- Jared Bowen? Because I'm like, this guy, he is a tough attacking winger. And I'm like, I mean, I'm not saying we went and gotten Kulashevsky if he was on the team, but, or whatever, but I'm like, he looked good, or he looks good, and this could help with, the, it would have helped with our depth, and, you know, with the homegrown player issue, but, I mean, aside from that, I don't know, it just, this is kind of a redemption project when it comes for David Moyes coming back to West Ham again, and he's done very well, so, they're a very, I would say they're a very efficient team, They're, I wouldn't say they're really flashy, per se, but, they, they're getting the results when they need to, and when you're a team like West Ham that's traditionally not a world beater or now part of the top six, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do. So I've said it many times in the past few episodes. But it's kind of like what John said: what Spurs will show, what Spurs team will show up. I'm hoping it's the attacking team, but i mean like, we I mean, I'll. Put up my or my prediction when we get to it, but we're gonna have to fight really hard for this, regardless. Just the way that West Ham plays, they're not too flashy. They then when we go outside of their boundaries, they know what they need to do. So I don't know, it it it's gonna be tough regardless. And if I'm or uh when I'm watching this on Sunday, I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be. There's gonna be a lot of angst.
2: I'm pretty sure. I'm more than certain of. Do, do is there any word on when Oliver Skip is coming back? I know there was a delay. I, no I think Skip would be gangbusters in this match. But um,
1: if you give me thirty seconds, I can take a look.
2: Well, I'll, I'll let you take a look. At, well, we we kind of get into our predictions for this one, but I think we, we really need like a, um, a a midfield that just takes control of of this match. Um, Cause, 'cause they can be very uh effective they're not the the old just like play hard because it's tottenham team anymore they 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 can play hard against anybody right now um so we we have to take them seriously but I think if we had a midfield that can that can can fight back and um I would love to see a benton core and skip but I think it's probably uh not gonna happen it's probably gonna be hoybier and
3: yeah i think it's very unlikely that skip will be back for uh for saturday um he and tanganga are still on the injured uh list but tanganga has been seen at training skip has not and i'm sure that as soon as he does appear in training they'll make an announcement or you know we'll know about it but he has not been in training very disturbing um you know, you feel really sorry for the lad uh, because he was really coming into his own. And, uh, you know, the fact that we're missing uh, a player of his age and his experience is really telling. Um, but, no, I do not anticipate that he will be there for West Ham. But uh, in, a,
2: in a position we're so light at is to what the problem is too, yeah. Uh, Tommy?
1: Yeah, I'll just do it now. Um,
2: so, for anybody that...
1: Wants to look of injuries. So as John noted, uh Joffet Tenganga, he's out. Um, so like him and Session, it said they both are scheduled to return April third. Um, but Oliver Skip, There is no it says there's no return date. It said the reasons because of groin hip pelvic injury. So yeah, that area, that's that's not a good look. But I don't know who's quoting this. I'm assuming it's Antonio Conte, but it said the most recent quote was March tenth. In this moment, if you ask me for ask me a forecast about her, his return, I don't have an answer. For this reason, I'm very worried. So, I'm hoping it's not like where it's Eric Lamet. Well, I have conspiracy theories on it, but like it's like Eric Lamell with his first season with us, where he played a few games and then he was just done for the rest of the season. So, I'm just hoping whether it be physios, doctors, et cetera, they just sort this out. So it might be just a time thing where he just needs to recuperate, maybe do a little physical therapy or whatever. And it's not a uh, injury where you need surgery to recuperate. So that is concerning. I'm hoping he comes back eventually before the season ends because as we all know, we can definitely use him, but he is what, like 21, twenty one, twenty twenty one years old. So, I mean, if he doesn't need to play, I'd rather not have him play. Of course, only if he's, once he's healthy, just because, I don't want this to be like a Ledley King thing where he comes back early. It's like, you kind of have to nurse him for the rest of his career. So hopefully that's not the case either. I know I'm being a little bit of a Debbie Downer on that, but I try to look at all the scenarios, but hopefully he gets well soon regardless.
2: Well, thanks for looking that up Tommy. And uh, uh, how about you start with your prediction first?
1: Okay. As I noted earlier, I think it's going to be rough and tumble and we're, we're going to have to fight hard for the win. Um, for those who do listen to the podcast, I usually do predict a close win um, with West Ham. So I'm predicting a 3-2 win, uh, Kane, Kulishevsky, and Sun. And I hope in classic Spurs fashion against West Ham, we do have a late winner around the 90th minute. Because um, we've done that a, three times at least from the top of my head. So let's make it an, a fourth one with a late winner break their hearts.
2: Uh, I hope that we don't have to wait that long for the winner, but but it makes sense to me that it could happen. Let's go to Jeff next.
0: Um, I'm going to say 3-1 Spurs uh, with Kane with one goal, and I think this will be the Sun bounce-back game. I think he'll score two in this one. I actually kind of think and hope that he sits against Brighton because maybe he just needs a rest to get out of his – Poor form lately. Maybe he might be running on fumes, um so I think he'll come back in a big way against West Ham.
2: Yeah, I think you're right about him needing a rest, and like I hope that this is that that Brighton seems like the right match for to to rest him, or at least just put him on the bench and pull him out if you really need him towards the end.
3: um John, what, what do you have for predictions? I have 2-1, as I mentioned before. I think Kane is going to get one, and I think they're going to suffer the humility of an own goal.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I mean, own goal,
3: uh, our second uh, third highest scorer. Third third highest scorer, I think. (laughs) But but Uh, it would be particularly nice against West Ham if they put one in their own net. I would love that. Yeah, no, that would be nice to see how um, Please, please, Tommy, do not leave it to the 90th minute. I'm not sure my heart could stand it. I mean, to me,
1: I mean, that is fair. I'm, But, like, my favorite game, a lot of games that were my favorite is, you know, West Ham with the Paul Saltari late goal. And then, uh, what was it, 2013, Gareth Bale had a late goal. Uh, I think it was 2015 or 16 where Harry Wing scored – his first goal with us. And then they had a penalty in the box and then Kane scores the penalty to get the winner. So, I mean, for your sake, John, yes, let's get it done early. But like I said, the precedent is
2: there. No, I, um, I, I think I'm going to go with uh, Tommy's prediction. I think three, two seems like it, it's certainly feasible. Like we're, we're they're capable of scoring and we're capable of making some dumb mistakes but i do think that we find a way to come out on top in this one and and it it does put us into the europa conversation at least and it gives us something to work towards next year um i think we get a goal from kane and i think we get a goal from sun this time i think uh Jeff might be right about him uh bouncing back in this one. Um so let's go to final thoughts. Oh wait, wait who's scoring so,
1: the other goal? I I
2: said I said Kane and I said Son. Yeah, you said and you said 3-2. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh uh Kulachev. Uh Decky has the last one. Okay, so same as me then. Polushevski. Cool, um cool. Okay, so let's um Let's go to final thoughts on this. Uh, the week that was, the week that's coming up, uh, where we are at in the world in Spurs land, and we'll start with Jeff first. Um,
0: it's, a, I mean, it's the same story all season, right? Consistency. We need some consistency. They're running out of time to do it. So, you know, there's only um, basically a Month two months left, so might as well do it now at the end,
3: right? Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Uh, John, yeah, well, uh, we've only got 10 games left, um, which is that's going to reduce pretty quickly to the point where it's our future is going to be fairly obvious, but we're still but we've still got 10 games left, and uh, again, as Jeff said, if we start to play consistently and if we do that, I mean consistently well, not consistently poorly. But if we play consistently well, then I think we could put a good showing in for the last 10 games and um, we'll get ourselves into some kind of contention for something in Europe. And uh, So, you know me, I'm the eternal optimist, always have been. So there we go. I like it. I like it. Uh, Tommy?
1: Um, I wish I had your optimism, John. Um. I'm just, I'm more, I'm, a, I'm not a pessimist, but I, I think I'm more of a realist where I see what's laid out on the cards laid out on the table and just assess from there. So I'm, I mean, if we can get a good run in April. That would be awesome. I think it kind of depends on what Skip's coming back. Hopefully he does. If not, hopefully there's some random ace in and Conte's sleeve where you know, we play some random player out of position, and it just works, and we're we're doing well, and then we can ride it out to the rest of the season. But I don't know. I'm just let's get let's get these two games done. Reg- regardless of the outcome, I can take a little bit of breathing from the Spurs. Be enraged at Sweden. Hopefully they can beat uh, Czech Republic and then Poland, so we can, so they can qualify for the World Cup. And then I can worry about Spurs after that. Um, and then, of course, May cannot come soon enough.
2: Yeah i i i, I want to I'm hopeful that we have Conte. I think he he can lead us in the right direction. And if we back him in the way that he needs to be backed, that this period as up and down as it, it's, and I think it's going to continue to be up and down for the rest of the season. Um, but I think we can come out of it stronger in the summer, um, even though I I don't think it's going to be as strong as I would hope it to be, because I think we are going to be in competitions that aren't going to draw us the talent that we want. But there's a lot of talent out there to grab from, and I think we can get better in the summer and build more of a squad that that fits what Conte wants to do, and as long as we can keep him in our camp that's the most important thing i think at this point and that's that's what i really want to see for the rest of the season win or lose uh jeff you want to jump in there
0: <laughs> i was just gonna, just to your point i mean when you look at our squad there is a lot of talent out there compared to what we have right so so a lot of uh players we could buy will make us better
2: that's true so even even if they aren't the premier superstars It still could make us better and give us more what Conte wants. And as long as we can make him happy with the squad that he's given, uh, I think that's the most important thing at this point. And uh, we we look towards next season and try and put ourselves in the best position as possible for next season and what we do there. Because I think that's what's going to be most important. Uh, but I think that about wraps up the episode. So I definitely appreciate everybody. Thank you to Tommy for Jeff and John for being on today. Um, thanks to Tommy for editing and sound tonight. Um, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo. And as always the Atlantic bar and grill, it was great. The last three episodes to be recording there in person. Um, we're going to be back there soon again, recording live. Um, Find our merchandise at Big Head Media. Find us now on both Spotify and Stitcher. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Spurs, and our website at 4 Come on, Spurs!